0: welcome everyone to another episode of build with gen z today we have zamir with us hi zamir how are you
1: i'm doing wonderful thank you for having me Rand. how are you
0: i am doing well feeling a little bit cold but it's canada what can we do awesome zamir i'm gonna get you started with a fire round question here how old are you 26 where are you from
1: uh born and raised in ottawa currently based out of vancouver
0: where did you go to school, and what did you study?
1: I took software engineering over six years at Carlton oh. University. So uh, don't let your parents give you slack if it takes you more than four. But <laughs> yeah, right out of Ottawa.
0: Where do you work?
1: I work at Shopify. Um, I work as a senior solutions engineer remotely out of Vancouver for them. I used to work out of their Ottawa office, but uh, yeah, I've been with the company for about three years now.
0: Six years really did its job.
1: Three six, years, three years. So three years at Shopify and then, yeah, six years for the undergrad <laughs> um, and three years working full time and then just the, the startup grind on the side as well.
0: Awesome. And what's your favorite favorite thing to do on the weekend?
1: Lately, it's been hiking. So there's a lot of options out here when you live in Vancouver and uh, it's great exercise, but then the view at the top is breathtaking as well. So been trying to get as many oh. of those under our belt as possible. Would definitely recommend. I
0: love hiking in Vancouver. Possible. My favorite trails are in Vancouver. They're so beautiful. Uh, what is your favorite video game?
1: Favorite video game? I um, haven't played in a while, but honestly, I I really like StarCraft Two. It's like a real time strategy <laughs> game, I, and it's something that like is really fun to like try to get better at. I'm I'm garbage, but like people that are good are are really cool to watch. So yeah, it's, I'd say it's that one.
0: And what's your favorite movie?
1: Favorite movie? It has to be something with Will Smith. Um, I do really like I Am Legend and IRobot, man. Those are those are two classics. That those, are, those are
0: good movies. Those are really good movies. Um, and since you are in the podcasting industry, what is your favorite podcast?
1: It fluctuates depending on my mood and like what's um, what kind of entertainment or education I'm looking for. I'd say right now I'm actually listening um, to dissect, which is one, it's like long format musical breakdowns of like the most popular albums. Things like Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and phenomenally well produced. So much research goes into that. If you haven't checked it out yet, would definitely recommend
0: you do that. Uh, there's, uh, there's this podcast that I always see on TikTok talking about exactly the same thing. I'm not sure if we're, we're thinking of the same one, but tell me a little bit, speaking of podcasting and TikTok, tell me a little bit more about Listen. And um, I, I've seen Listen on the App Store, but I would love to hear it from you. What inspired it? How did you get started? Everything about it.
1: Yeah, let's do it. So I've been working on Listen now for just over two years. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, ebbs and flows, right? Like it, when it's a side hustle on the side of like a you know nine to five, you mm-hmm. typically end up some weeks working a ton on it, some weeks not so much, weather gets nicer. So <laughs> over the two years, it's been um, all over the place. But lately, we've gotten to um, a really great spot where we have, like you said, launched on the App Store and mm-hmm. both iOS and Android and US and Canada. So we're really excited about that. Um, And what Listen tries to do is we're a podcast discoverability platform. So trying to make it easier for users to find content that they're going to want to listen to. And the way we do that is by leveraging this concept of like podcast clips. So podcasts are long format by design. It's awesome. We get really authentic conversation out of long format conversations, but they're also intimidating, right? Like it's the kind of, Unless you know you're going to like something, unless you've had some kind of experience with a creator already, you're not likely to get some random podcast, two to three hours of your time, right? You you go back to the things that you like, the things that have been recommended to you. And that kind of makes it really tough for people that are just starting off, people that are growing to, to get people to be a part of their audience. And also as a user, it makes it tough to find things that you're actually going to want to listen to and commit to. So with Clips, the idea is that we take that long format and instead we bring it down into the specific topics, ideas, and stories that someone's talking about in a shorter segment. Gotcha. And the really cool thing about that is once we have that shorter segment, it's easy to either like share it with friends that you know are going to like it. You don't have to send them a, a full podcast episode and be like, hey, go listen to the from the five minutes to the seven minutes mark. You're going to really like that. You could just send them that part and they could mm-hmm. check it out really easily. But we can also then kind of like group together all the different clips that relate to a topic. So if you wanted to hear 20 different people tell you about, you know, hiking best practices, you can do that instead of oh, having to really like cool. listen to the episode format. Yeah. So it's a bit about the idea. And uh, we started two years ago and um, it's, it's exciting. We're in a really good place now and excited about what the, what the next couple of months have in store.
0: So I have a couple of questions about, mm-hmm. um, about about the app. So the first question is about how do you get clips? Is it that users find a very interesting clip and then they upload it and then they attach a topic to it? Do you as a team like fat through hundreds of podcasts and get interesting clips and how does that work?
1: Yeah, so great question. It is user generated by design? So mm-hmm. those users, they can be people that are just listening to their favorite podcasts. Those users could be the podcast creators themselves. Either of those groups can make these uh, clips, but you create the clips directly on the app. So imagine you're listening to an episode The idea is You've heard something really cool. Maybe it's a really like a a great story that you want to share with someone. Maybe it's this idea that you want to save for yourself for later, right there from the player within the app, you can begin creating a clip. Uh, We have a couple of different ways that you can do that. Some of it uses transcription. Some of it just takes a look at the audio file, but the idea is that within a matter of seconds, you narrow down the points of the conversation that you want to highlight add a title to it, add some hashtags, and then choose to either save it and share it publicly or privately. And then we just aggregate all those clips. Um, and we're working now on how to best organize them together so that we can surface them based on the topics that they speak to. Mm. But the content itself comes from users.
0: So you started two years ago and you started with, with this idea. How, how did you get to from an idea to an app store? And what, what, did, you, what did that two-year timeline look for you and your team?
1: Yeah. The, the first couple of months was a lot of uncertainty. It was a lot of focusing <laughs> on the wrong things, you know, focusing on what we wanted to call the company and what the, what the colors are going to be and all that stuff that, oh my God. Um, yeah, you know, like the, the rookie mistakes. Yeah. Um, but once we were able to really like hone in on the problem, we were trying to solve things started mm-hmm. to fall into place. The thing is that problem say, uh, evolved a bit over time. So the first problem we were, were thinking about solving was how to better support creators financially creators, you know, like the mm-hmm. same problem that you're helping solve with advertising yeah. we were thinking mm-hmm. about something similar which would be more audience supported right so like crowdsourcing uh, patreon-esque subscription models mm-hmm. something that today's already announced it's supported by spotify apple just a matter of weeks ago they have native um, integrations for that so in a yeah. way that pivot that we made away from trying to solve for that was great because competing because against spotify yeah. and apple isn't not easy, a good right? idea <laughs> yeah it's tough it's tough not impossible but it's tough <laughs>
0: not yeah not impossible but it's pretty tough um exactly would you let's say this actually let me ask you different questions how many users use so far do you have on the platform
1: yeah right now we're just in like um but over 100 users so nothing crazy okay. um mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out exactly how we want to um go about our marketing strategy now to acquire more users okay. specifically in Canada for now, and then focus on United States. It's available in the United States, but we haven't done any like concentrated like marketing pushes in the United Mm -hmm. States. So definitely early stages. um, And it's exciting to see like what it's gonna look like once we begin focusing a little bit more on growth. But um, yeah, lots to to hash out still.
0: Do you see higher patterns of users uploading clips or of podcasters uploading their own clips?
1: Right now it's actually just the users themselves, which honestly is kind of what we expected because when we're talking about um, the idea with different users, one of the things that they really prioritize and that they bring up a lot is that, Hey, they love being able to share elements of a podcast with people that they think are going to enjoy it because otherwise you're the likelihood that you're going to come across that conversation yourself, very slim, right? So when your friend wants to share something with you, it maybe relates to a discussion that you've had, or, you know, something that they're going to enjoy. We find that users like to create those clips and then send them out to their friends. So, we're seeing how we can help support that behavior a little bit more. But um, that just means that more people get exposed to new creators and new shows. And we're really excited about what that has in store.
0: Is this a one man show or do you have a team that is working with you on this?
1: We have an amazing team that's working on with us on this. So it's, it's three co founders myself, mm-hmm. my buddies uh, Matt and Taylor. And then we have a team of developers one full-time developer and then four part-time developers that are working on us with us on this as well. And then um, a, a ton of people in just like helping with like product, um, some sales stuff and uh, yeah, like marketing discussions and things along those lines. It's really, it, it was one of those ideas that we uh, talked about with friends and, and and people wanted to get involved and people liked, especially those that were already really into podcasting, like what we were headed with everything and wanted to be a part of the ride. And so perspective was like hey let's let's make this happen people have really great ideas and Mm -hmm. it's a way for us to be able to just like take the company to the next level so um yeah we got a big team and it's great it makes all of the meetings that we have and just like the the working sessions and everything else a lot of fun right it doesn't feel sometimes like you just gotta like which happens in Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship right you got to motivate yourself dig really deep in days when you don't feel like starting doing things and when you have a crew around you to support you that that always makes that job
0: a little bit easier That's pretty awesome. So a lot of the that is probably one of the biggest um, I find one of the biggest problems that entrepreneurs face is number one, finding a team, a good team, um, especially a team of devs. And number two is funding. So how did you go about finding that team or what kind of what kind of advice would you have for someone who who's just starting or, you know, someone who is going through that entrepreneurial journey and does not know where to find the team members and is thinking of outsourcing their product. um, What would be your first step if you were to do it all over again? How would you do it?
1: I would do it all over again. I think I'd follow a similar path to the path that we did follow. Um, and that was a lot of that when it came to identifying the people we wanted to work with was taking a look at people that we've come across in the past. For for us, a lot of that was through university, right? So once mm-hmm. we to university, I guess being there for six years helped a little bit, came across two more years of people than you typically would. <laughs> but um, jokes aside, there's a lot of amazing people that we met at Carleton that were just really you know, uh, determined, passionate people. And then once we realized that there were similarities in terms of the problem space as well, it only made mm-hmm. sense for us to approach them and be like, hey, we're kind of like working on this is something that you're interested in. Um, and being able to secure some of those developers, like taking a look at grants that are available was a huge help. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a few like the Career Ready Program is one that I'd love to shout out, which the federal government hands out, which assists existing students by helping them find mm-hmm. work that's related to their career and like placements that they want to end up in. So I think taking a look at the communities you're already a part of, especially academically, if, if you happen to go mm-hmm. to post-secondary or anywhere else and seeing if there's people there that you could reach out to, because um, a couple of important things, right? Like one, you obviously want them to have the skill sets that you're looking to fill in on the team. Two, you want them to really like care about the problem that you're solving. Mm-hmm. Um, and three, you want to like spend time working on the problem together, right? Like it's already, yeah. it could be so frustrating at times trying to build a company and you don't want it to be any more unpleasant than it needs to be. And so we're mm-hmm. lucky that we just found people that um, are passionate about the same problem and that we, we get along. So um, mm-hmm. we definitely recommend taking a look at that university list.
0: And did you go the equity route or did you go the salary route?
1: Um, mostly the equity route. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a combination and we kind of structure it differently for like developers and other people on the team, but we're bootstrapped entirely. So,
0: okay. So no funding, everything from your own pockets.
1: Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it's uh, one of those positions where um, I guess being a part-time founder helped, right? Like mo- almost mm-hmm. um, all of us are technically part-time founders. And so mm-hmm. being able to have like a revenue source that can support the business is what allowed us to kind of work on it as we're trying to hash out the problem, hash out the solution
0: mm-hmm.
1: and continue building product. And we're definitely hoping to get to a place where we can raise around, But I think especially, and I'm sure you could probably relate to this as well. um, And I'd love to hear more about that pre-seed round that you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier and and how you went about that. But the appetite obviously isn't the same in Canada to take risks on companies that are solving things, especially in the earlier stages. And so we didn't want to go through the headache. We're like, hey, we already know if we go through all this headache of trying to find investors and then like setting up a term sheet and going through all that, like it's not going to be the best terms at the Mm -hmm. end of the day anyway. So why not try to bootstrap this uh, upfront if we can, and then try to figure out the funding a little bit later on when we have metrics to lean back on. Um,
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think part of that we're, we're lucky to do because I'm a software engineer by trade, so mm-hmm. I can build some of this product, which alleviates the, the need to have funding to like bring those people in-house. But um, yeah, it's sometimes not worth the energy when you're trying to get some of these VCs involved, but love mm-hmm. to hear your take on that as well.
0: Yeah, no. For our pre-seed round, we got it non-dilutive, which means we li- exactly what you said. We we just looked at the resources we had available, and we just scrapped everything we could. We ended up raising a good amount of money just from doing that, um, at least enough to get us running for 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 the next, I would say, six months or so, um, until we're ready for our seed round and. Um, the reason why I call it pre-seed is because we still got the same amount that you would at a pre-seed, but we didn't dilute or we didn't approach any investors. And it was just simply grants, pitch competitions, like anything that was available to us, we would just apply and see what, we, like where it would get us. Um, also, it gave us the credibility with, with, with approaching new investors and being like, hey, we want competitions. We made money winning competitions. Against guess other startups, which, mean, which means that there's potential there, right? And there's, mm-hmm. um, the judges saw something in our business that they didn't see in someone else's business. And that worked really, really well for us. And honestly, like that's, when someone tells me that they're raising pre-seed, I almost like, like my heart just like, you know, clutches itself because mm-hmm. I'm like, you you could do so many things to get that pre-seed, right? Without actually diluting your company, um, without going through the headache of, you know, approaching investors, trying to convince them because at pre-seed, it's it's very different raising pre-seed than seed. Like at pre-seed, you you really have to you have to convince the investor that your i not about your idea, more about yourself and your team. You have to convince the investor that you and your team are capable of executing that idea, and it it's a lot less likely for you to be able to do it than to show metrics at a seed round and be like, here's our numbers. Here's our revenue. Here's what we achieved so far. Let the data speak for itself, right? And if you like this data and if you like the growth, then you can put your money into the company. I just find it a lot easier to be able to go the data route than, hey, believe in our vision. Of course, like even the seed round, you're like an investor has to believe in your vision to begin with or want to be part of the company. But I just I found that actually approaching VCs for pre-seed could be very dangerous to your company in the future.
1: For sure. Yeah. You have to give up a lot. Right. That's so interesting because I haven't heard anyone. It's like an organized strategic effort to be able to, you know, leverage these competitions to just Mm -hmm. support a a runway for the business. And clearly you're able to uh, really articulate the problem, the solution well, and then get those people to believe in what you folks are building. So that's really exciting. But I haven't heard of anyone kind of approach it that way and get their first uh, pool of (laughs) funds, if you will, just directly from competitions. Good for you folks. It seems a little, you know, creative.
0: Thank you. Yeah, no, it also helped us work on our pitch. So like, we were able to completely deck out our pitch and get so much feedback. Like, I think, before we even applied for any competition, we got like, 20 people to give us feedback on our, uh, on our, on our pitch, which really decked it out, made us understand the problem even better, made us understand the solution even better. Like, we were not bullshitting, you know, we like, we, we, we saw the problem, we talked to people, we were able to get really good feedback. Feedback, and I think that also gained some confidence. We we also were able, we were lucky enough to get some really early partnerships, um, from really big um, companies as well. So that also helped us leverage, or we were able to leverage the partnerships to be able to win competitions, which was pretty awesome.
1: That's amazing. How would you go about securing some of those partnerships? Was it just through people that you knew in the industry, or
0: um, literally just talk to people? You know, a lot of people are scared of approaching someone because they think warm intros are the only way, um, but cold intros or like just reaching, cold reaching out to someone is actually very effective. Um, one of the companies that I reached out to that we currently have a partnership with, um, I literally just read an article about the company online and when I was doing my research and then I saw the, the founder's name or the CEO's name on the article, I went on LinkedIn, messaged him, I was like, hey, do you wanna chat with us? And he's like, sure, here's my email schedule sometime. And that was literally it. And then from the first conversation we just, Um, he was amazing. We saw some synergies and we're like, you know what, let's keep chatting and see where this goes. And we ended up in a really cool partnership.
1: That's amazing. Are you like, so you're securing these different meetings with people that obviously are in the space They can Mm -hmm. help you. These partnerships are usually beneficial. Um, you get on the phone, are you like pitching them right there? Are you trying to build a relationship in hopes of being able to pitch Mm -hmm. them in a more like, you know, receptive environment? Like, how do you go about it?
0: Um, so whenever I approach any meeting, my intention is always to learn from someone. Really, my intention is never to sell anything because I believe it's it's very um, it's very obvious when you're trying to sell. Um, and it almost, uh, it, it creates that barrier between you and the other person that you're talking to. So my approach has always been, listen, I'm here to learn from you. I'm here to build this relationship. If you're interested in building this relationship, we can chat right there. If you don't feel like, you know, there could be a relationship there then that's completely fine as well right um but also one thing that I learned is people are a lot more responsive when they when you message them and be like hey this is what I need versus when you message them and write a very, very long introduction about yourself and this is why I'm capable and this is why I'm amazing and this is why we you and I could be amazing you know together and just even like I nowadays whenever someone writes me a very long intro I'm just like, stop it. You know, just, just say it straight up. Tell me exactly what you want. I know there's something there. Um, so that's the best way I learned to reach out to people is literally just be honest upfront, join, don't try to like, you know, smother them with, with sweet talk at the beginning. Cause people like can see through that very quickly.
1: Yeah. Just be respectful of their time too. Right. You're getting a, exactly. an email or a message. It's like four paragraphs long. Like that's when you get a couple of those from different people, it's unrealistic to be able to much, go through right? all of them. Right. So
0: Exactly. Yeah. I usually keep it one liner. This is what I'm looking for. Interested? Here's my Calendly. You can go ahead and book a time. And like that's literally how I keep my emails. And usually, like it works. It works really well. Um, it also helps that you know when you say that you're a new grad or you're fresh off university, or you know you're looking to learn, or you're uh, from this generation trying to build a startup, people are very receptive of that. People appreciate people who work um, mm-hmm. rather than people who who just want things coming to them. Right. So if you pose it as, Hey, I'm, I'm really trying to work here. I'm not just trying to, you know, fish you out of something. Um, they're, they're a lot more receptive.
1: Amazing. Yeah, no, they're definitely going to have to apply some of these strategies. It, it seems <laughs> like it was all partnerships can never hurt, especially if people are like willing to offer you that support and they know exactly kind of the situation you're in and what your goals are. Right. So the more exactly. candidly you can have that conversation, the better for both of you.
0: Exactly. Um, so when you first started, what made you think podcasts? Like what in what in the world made you think, hey, let me go into podcasting?
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't actually even my idea. It was my buddy Matt's idea. And he started, he's been working on this like probably like a, a year longer than I have. Him and Taylor, the other co-founders, like they started before I joined the founding team. And I think it was, I mean, we were all podcast users and I think it's the, Idea started with our own frustrations of the existing experience, right? Like um, at the time, it was really when the likes of Joe Rogan was gaining popularity in terms of both dual broadcasting and audio experience, as well as a visual experience. And the first real pain we felt was like, hey, um, you're, having, you're listening to this conversation. They're in a room. They're doing their own thing. They're referencing different articles, videos that the producer Jamie pulls up. That they can see, you don't really get that audio experience. Wouldn't it be cool if every time that took place and there was like an accompanying resource during a conversation or during an episode that your like app just sent you a link so you could open it up yourself? That would make you feel like you're so much more part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's really where the idea first started was like, how can we, um, hey, remove some of these frustrations that we're going through ourselves? Um, I originally didn't dive fully into that because sometimes, and I'm sure you could probably relate to this as well. Ideas feel like features of other existing products, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, should I spend yeah. so much energy trying to go through the, the building process when um, mm-hmm. the likes of Apple, the likes of Spotify could release this? And then do we really have a leg like to stand on in comparison? And at first, I, I didn't believe we did if that was what we were trying to go mm-hmm. out there to solve. But the more we just spent time listening to podcasts and like, it, interacting with these apps, interacting with the other slew of what's referred to as like podcatchers or um, third-party applications that let you listen to podcasts, Mm -hmm. realized that there were things that not just us, but the people that we knew in our communities and friend groups were also looking for that they couldn't find. And so when that list grew long enough and there was like enough things, we're like, oh no, we can really create something awesome here. I think we just decided to dive in, but it all started from being like avid fans of the medium at the beginning. And I think those are some of the problems that are the funnest to solve because you're not forcing yourself to care about the problem, mm-hmm. right? We genuinely are just going to be making our own lives better as well, if we mm-hmm. can figure this out. And so that's where it all started.
0: And so with, with TikTok's growth, I've seen a lot of essentially the clips that you're talking about just essentially put as like podcasting clips on TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously TikTok has, you know, hundreds of millions i think close to a billion maybe even more than a billion users right now worldwide Mm -hmm. so what is i guess your biggest differentiation and what was your company's reaction on tiktok's boom and how did you as a company be able to to or a startup be able to say to yourself hey yes tiktok this is how this is a trend that is happening on tiktok how, how can we as a company excel and also move past it because i i find it very difficult whenever i see like spotify like you said spotify or apple or f- even facebook announce something about podcasting that could in any way hinder what i'm working on because mm-hmm. i spent such a long time f- focus energy money like i'm doing this full-time i risked it all. i risked it all i was like you know what Amazing. i'm just going full in you know and it's 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 such a like it's such a stomach crunching feeling when you see an article and you're like, shit, they just did that. So how like, how do you, as a startup, move past from that or from your experience? How did you deal with that?
1: Yeah, I could definitely resonate with that. Definitely had that exact same gut-wrenching feeling a number of times when You know, like your friends know the things you're working on. So they'll see something in the industry and they'll send it over to you and you like look into it. And that's like the first gut instinct is like, oh man, like Mm -hmm. I really hope no one else beat us to this or did it better than us or whatever the case may be. For us, I think it really came down to truly understanding the problem we're trying to solve and seeing if those other competitors were solving the same problem. And Mm -hmm. our problem, our focus, our North Star is podcast discoverability. We feel like it's a broken experience and we really feel like the medium of clips can help there. And when we take a look at how the other platforms have implemented clips, if you will, it's not meant to solve the same problem. It's the time limits that almost every other platform, TikTok included, implement really refrain or restrain, I should say, the conversation in a way that treats it more as like a preview or a trailer than it Mm -hmm. does highlighting a specific segment of a standalone atomic part of a conversation Mm -hmm. right like a story um, even one of the things that we're talking about now amongst all the different topics that we'll go through in and of itself could be like three four five minutes and it could be related to one topic or idea and then there could be a bunch of other ones in that same conversation and so i think when we look at tiktoks when we look at there's a number of other um Apps in the space as well. Pods is one that Spotify just acquired that does this, helps people create, or they actually create the clips themselves. But again, capped at 60 seconds. And so the idea there is this for us, it's like, yeah, they can do that. But what we're going to focus on is everything that we have more flexibility with, given how we've chosen to implement our solution, which is there isn't a time limit. We can have a clip that's upwards of, well, there's, I guess, a time limit of 20 minutes. Um, But within that, what we're able to do is really going back to the organization of those ideas and finding the right balance of recommending content to people based on personalization and understanding the user Mm -hmm. and offering a much more elevated browsing experience. Mm -hmm. If you want to come on and just begin learning about something in a particular area, that should be easy to do. And you should be able to do it like diversely. By intentionally subscribing to multiple perspectives with the hope that you can come out of it with a better formed opinion yourself, that you can engage on this topic with strangers and, you know, see all sides of a particular idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it might just be something where you want to like, you know, laugh comedy podcasts are up like, I think it's 26% over the last year um, and they account for close to 40% Mm -hmm. of the content in the last little while. And so it's like, if people are looking for that, they're looking for entertainment let's offer it to them as well, but let's offer it in like this diverse, um, playlist, what we're calling a conversation of clips. So
0: Spotify does not do these playlists right now.
1: Yeah. And, and, and when they do, it's like episode-based groupings. And if you think about how podcasts work, a single episode, you know, might not necessarily all relate to a a given topic. So Mm -hmm. you don't really have the ability to learn about the idea itself from a variety Bits of sources, you're just listening to episodes that all honor the same genre, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, this is going to be a little bit of a difficult question, but I feel it's also very necessary. Please. Yeah. Um, especially for the the ones listening and who are approaching this journey. When do you know when to stop? When do you tell yourself, you know what? This is just not working. This is just not it, you know? How, What wh- what is that, I think key point, or you know the flipping trip point wire. yeah mm-hmm.
1: it's a, yeah it's a it's a very interesting question and i think this is going to differ for everyone given like the situation you're in some a lot mm-hmm. of it candidly comes down to financials as well right like mm-hmm. how long can you support yourself pursuing this idea before it's no longer feasible for your lifestyle mm-hmm. um i think for us and like the, the tripwires that we kind of have in place a is it can't be until we're all ready to commit to this full time. Like I can't, I and my other co-founders, we can't do this like in a part time capacity, and I feel like, oh no, this isn't it because we haven't really given it our all and tried to build something that um, we're all, you know, equally as excited about. Mm-hmm. But once you are in that boat and you are, let's say, um, dedicating all your time to this, you're you're listening to your users, you're talking to users, you're trying to optimize for what you believe is. The problem you're solving and the metrics that you use to identify how far along you are in that solution if you're not seeing the right numbers if you're not seeing that growth if we're not seeing people come back to the app given that um, we believe oh yeah this experience is solving for podcast discoverability and we keep optimizing our tools maybe it's maybe the problem isn't big enough or maybe our solution doesn't hit the mark and Mm -hmm. i think realizing that and being okay with that is really important Um, i think where we are right now we we already kind of do realize that like we, we have a lot of functionality built in that um, helps solve for what we're doing. It's not packaged the way it should be packaged. Like there's a lot that I we're would, optimizing for from I like would a US like perspective.
0: To, it's really cool. Like it's a really good app. And I just downloaded it um, about an hour ago um, to, to actually go onto it. And like, I, I was actually listening to what's his name? God. Um, the blonde guy. Paul Paul Logan Logan
1: Paul yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) the blonde guy um and I was scrolling down and I actually I was like I have never heard of those podcasts and Spotify does not show me those podcasts and it's such a low commitment to get like the what is it called the climax of the podcast Mm -hmm. without having to listen to the entire podcast because the way the podcasting journey works or the the storytelling is there's, you know, there's the intro, which nobody really cares about, but still necessary to do an intro. And then you've got, you know, the beginning of the story and then you've got the climax of whatever point you're trying to make. And then you've got the, the the ending, right? So being Mm -hmm. able to have those, those segments, that was actually pretty cool because like, I was just listening to podcasts that I've never, ever listened to. So it's, it's a, pretty cool idea but I think like you said discoverability is very very important Um, not just for podcasters but for your app as well so how are you gonna how are you gonna reach the audience that you want to reach what is the go-to-market strategy here and what are you planning to make sure that your app that is actually really well built and when I say that like I I don't just say an app is well built well built because I um, am a UX and UI designer and experience really matters to me and you've actually got really cool functions here. Um, so what is what is that strategy for you? How are you going to get that discoverability that you're looking for for the app?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you. Thank you for downloading it. Thank you for playing around with it. And, and thank you for the, the kind words. Um, I think we're... A, right now, the focus from a product perspective is kind of twofold. One is how can we offer users better recommendations for things so they can just get started and begin interacting with clips because no other platforms really allow them to do that based on like the standard media players that are out there. So getting more comfortable with the medium, right. And the idea of clips as a whole, our recommendation, we have, uh, two folks on our team, like brilliance that are working and helping us build that recommendation engine that we're really excited about. Um, and then product wise, again, the second piece is how are we going to make discoverability work? How do we get people to seamlessly, what are you used to as a user? You used to like the shows that you like. Mm-hmm. let's make it really easy for you to go from the shows that you like to the best clips and all the episodes across those shows. So when mm-hmm. you're approaching, let's say a four hour Lex Friedman podcast, you don't know, have four hours, you can just jump in and find out, Oh, these are the, the top pop clips from this episode. Mm-hmm. Let me start there. And then if I want to listen to more, listen to more. So we're focused on those two things from a product perspective, mm-hmm. go to market, very different, go to market. Um, similarly, we're looking at partnerships um, a lot right now and We're looking at them from the creator sense more than anything, Mm -hmm. because we realize that creators have their own problems that clips solve for as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen this with the success of other apps like Headliner, for example, which they allow you to generate clips, but for Mm -hmm. the purposes of promotion versus the purposes of like content aggregation, if you will, or just like, um, you know, content discovery. Mm -hmm. So creators today can take their episode, find a segment of it that they want to share, create that clip. Share it, and the benefit of doing that is that now it's more digestible for people that otherwise wouldn't have committed to them. Mm -hmm. And so, what we're trying to um, help these creators see as well is that clips as a medium have so much more growth potential, so much more um, chance of virality than their standard form episodes. And we did a lot of analysis around this. Um, I don't know if you've ever taken a look, it's not around anymore because of the exclusivity deals with Spotify. But when Joe Rogan was posting his episodes on YouTube, the videos, the three-hour long ones. Mm -hmm. He was also simultaneously posting clips of those episodes Mm -hmm. on a different channel. So you had Joe Rogan, and then you had Joe Rogan, Jerry clips. And so we're like, let's just see how well this works for him and did an analysis of all the episodes he posted. And the clips from the exact same episode, they'd typically be like 10 to 12 of them. They'd range anywhere Mm -hmm. from a couple minutes to like 20-ish minutes. Um, They would get like 700% more views. And so- especially with how YouTube works, that's 700% more revenue for the creator. So there must be something that allows users to engage with content when it Mm -hmm. does exist in the clip form. Maybe it's because they know exactly what they're listening to. Maybe it's because it's like a shorter segment, Mm -hmm. but we're using those conversations to um, talk to creators to get them involved with the application, get them creating clips, getting sharing it with their audience. And that's mm-hmm. the focus as of right now versus any like public marketing campaigns.
0: So do you have a rating system, like an upvote system like Reddit has where, you know, the best clips go to the top? Cause I see the, the I, you know, like the, the views one or the mm-hmm. views function. Um, do you have a plan for, for doing such a review or rating system?
1: So in terms of like ratings, we're just keeping track of like, different metrics in terms of like Mm -hmm. watch rates, like obviously the views, share Mm -hmm. rates, and you're able to like clips as a way to be able to, you know, um, save them for later. or Also just Mm -hmm. like let the platform know what you're interested in. When it comes to rating clips as a whole and users letting the platform know what they're into, Mm -hmm. we're doing that really in the context of conversations or those playlists of clips, right? So again, going to a playlist of something topical today, maybe it's um, the NBA playoffs, You have the top 20 clips that talk about the NBA playoffs. Users can then engage with the clips within that conversation and let us know how much they think it relates to the topic, how well it speaks to it, um, Mm -hmm. all of those things. So definitely trying to get user users more engaged on the platform, we giving them ways to be more engaged on the platform, even things like comments and everything else that we have within the pipeline. Um, but that's the idea there is to give them, a, give them the chance to help with curation because that's gonna make it easier for other users to discover mm. content that relates to the topics that they're interested in.
0: When are you looking to start raising?
1: Million dollar question. It's a million dollar question right now. Actually, it's not that far away. We're thinking about setting up some investor meetings for September. So that gives us the next couple of months to really focus in on the, the product goals I was sharing with you as well as some of our go-to-market strategy. But mm-hmm. given the fact that we're already monitoring some of our metrics and they're, they're trending in the right direction, I think we'll be in a pretty good place to have candid conversations with VCs at that time. And more importantly, that kind of aligns with when, when we're hoping to potentially jump onto this full time as a team mm-hmm. and that, that would give us the fuel we need to be able to really take this to the next level. So timeline wise. Yeah, the quarter-ish, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how things
0: pan out. And if an investor is listening to you right now, what do you think are the most important thing things for that investor to know about your product and about your team?
1: Yeah, great. I love this. You're give me a chance <laughs> kind of like shameless plug. It's amazing. Um honestly, we have an we have an incredible team. There's so much talent and so many great ideas. Like we have folks from Um, everywhere from like Amazon and to like um, IBM and people that have experience building products and more importantly, care about building this product because they believe that the problem needs to be solved. And I think that's really important. Um, But at the same time, no one's really gotten this right. Podcast discoverability is still broken. And you can tell based off of acquisitions that Spotify is trying to make in the space. I brought up pods earlier, the other clip platform that focuses on machine learning to determine what clips to generate with 60 second time limits. Um, they're trying to see what works well within their ecosystem, Mm -hmm. but we think as like a standalone experience, nothing's out there. And those other things, those other experiences or those other apps, they miss the market bit. They don't really understand that the fact that long format is one of the biggest strengths of episode of Mm -hmm. podcasts and we don't want to remove that when we go to clips. We still want to be able to retain that, you know, autonomy of an idea. Mm-hmm. So if podcasters, you know, if they believe in the industry, which is growing enormously year over year, yeah. um, and they still themselves believe that the podcasting industry is broken in terms of discoverability, we'll love to have a conversation. would we'll love to hear about um, how they might want to potentially get involved or the perspective they bring to the table. So yeah, get a hold of us. For me, it's Zamir at listenclips.app. So that's probably the easiest way to reach out to me.
0: And how much are you, are you looking to raise? We haven't
1: determined that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple ideas, numbers in mind. We haven't landed somewhere. Um, if, I mean, it's going to be more of a seed round at that stage. Right. So what is the, um, minimum?
0: Like if, if the minimum you are, you need to, to survive for the next year?
1: The biggest thing is it comes down to how we prioritize some of our, uh, revenue generating features ourselves. So Mm -hmm. if we prioritize those, then we don't need necessarily to raise a ton of money to make up that 12 month runway. We'd be on the lower end, probably around like the, you know, 250 K mark. But then going upwards and then not necessarily needing to force revenue generation earlier on and focusing on the more user reliant metrics around daily active users. We actually monitor weekly active users, our retention rate and things like that. So that's kind of the ballpark, but we'll have a much better sense in, in the coming months as we monitor the product
0: so let me tell you a cool trick for you and whoever's listening um is anyone from your founder team from the middle east area
1: um no i don't think anyone is yeah
0: well um a lot eh? of a lot of a lot of vcs are coming up from the MENA area um and i've talked to a bunch of them and they Like they started dedicating ten percent of their portfolio to Middle Easterns who are doing things outside of the mean, so outside of the Middle East. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason why I bring it bring it up is because I'm Middle Eastern, and so I've 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 had these conversations. Um, So maybe, whatever area you're from, maybe they're doing such a thing as well, where they dedicate ten to fifteen percent of their portfolio to support entrepreneurs from that origin, but outside of the country or outside of the uh, that part of the world
1: for sure. No, it, it's great advice. And I think just finding like, uh, a path to different investors mm-hmm. or, or partners that, um, are interested in what you're doing, have some association to either you as a team or you as a, a as the problem you're solving is always mm-hmm. important. So appreciate that advice.
0: Yeah. Um, last questions, how can people reach you and your team?
1: Yeah, I'm on a, Personally, at Zamir Masjedi on like all social medias, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram included. Um, But our website, listenclips.app, there's a contact form there that you can use to reach us. Or you can email me directly at zamir at listenclips.app. Yeah, happy to talk about podcasting at any time. If you're a creator, you're struggling to grow, um, you're looking for more opportunities to be able to put your content in front of new audience users. Let's have a discussion because um, that's really who we're trying to help here is those creators that aren't being getting the attention that they deserve from the bigger mm-hmm. advertisers and everything else in the world. And we'll love to speak more about how we can make their lives a little bit easier.
0: And how can people support you personally?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, download the app. It's on the app store. <laughs> it's on Google play. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, you know, share clips with your friends and, um, let us know if you, you think it's helping you with podcast discoverability. Um, there's a feedback option directly in the app, within your settings. So you can use that or contact us anywhere else. Like I mentioned before.
0: As usual, all the links will be in the show notes so you can check them out and download their app very, very soon. Awesome. Well, Zamir, thank you so much for for your time and for this really cool conversation. And uh, hopefully we can talk again soon.
1: Of course. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time.